In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt. And nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls. We speak the language. Primo's. So you're out hunting and you've been seeing way more does than bucks. And you ask yourself, should I be shooting more does to help my buck hunt next year? Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the basics of herd management, as well as some of the biggest misconceptions. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanidis, and today we are talking about herd management. Now, this all came from a question that a listener asked in terms of, you know, how many does should I be shooting in a given year to help my hunt and, and to get more bucks on my property for next year? Now, this is not an entry-level topic, but there are some entry-level misconceptions and issues and challenges here. And I think this can be helpful for new hunters, uh, whether you're hunting on public land or private land, and whether you find yourself in a situation or position where you're considering herd management or not. So let's just dive right into it. So number one, what should the number of does to bucks be? What is ideal? Well, this can vary significantly based on your location, where you live, where you hunt, what's going on in your neck of the woods, figuratively and literally. Um, you know, QDM, quality deer management principles, advocate towards somewhere between one to one and two to one doe to buck ratios. Um, those are pre hunt ratios. So ideally, you know, in the perfect universe, when everything is as amazing as it could be, there would be a one-to-one ratio, which means for every doe, there's one buck. Now that perfect world doesn't really exist anywhere in the hunting universe because people hunt and people look for bucks instead of does as their trophies. So more bucks are usually taken every year than does. 
so because of that, that number then skews, so you have more does per buck. Now, one of the big misconceptions here is birth rates among deer. Uh, it's about 50-50 every fawn that's born, whether they are a buck or a doe. So if there was no hunting, no predation, nothing like that, you would end up with very close to a one-to-one -one harvest. Now, depending on where you live, there are some other factors involved there about, you know, survival rates. And yeah, you might lose some bucks every year to fighting, but you also might lose some does every year to childbirth complications. And, you know, potentially predation is slightly higher for does than it is for bucks. But often, you know, bucks become more violent, especially when there's more of them competing for does. So then you have slightly higher death rates there. So in a completely natural situation, utterly devoid of any human intervention, contact, or habitat change, you would come to roughly a one-to-one -one ratio of bucks to does in the wild. Depending on region, that could vary by a couple percentage points, but it's going to be around one-to-one. -one. Uh, now, that's just based on birth rates. Now, a lot of people... They, they, they talk about things like, well, you know, in my area, there's 10 does for every buck or there's 15 does or 20 does for every buck. And that is really not an accurate statement. Statistically, um, that's not possible. Pretty much anywhere on planet Earth, that can't happen. The sex ratios between does and bucks cannot get that far out of balance, at least pre-hunt right before you start harvesting deer the reason being if you have 10 to 1 does to bucks okay well every one of those does then you know has uh, has fawns well half of those fawns are going to be bucks so if you had 100 does assuming they all bred and they won't all breed but they won't all just have one some may have twins some may even have triplets you're going to have a, you got hundred does today. Well, you're going to have at least 50 bucks next season, right? So now you're at a two to one ratio. Um, you know, well, I guess you have more does born also, so that's going to increase, you know, as well. But the furthest it can get out of balance with heavy hunting of bucks and, and no hunting of does is about five to one. Statistically, if you run the math and a lot of people much much more engaged and scientifically uh, credentialed than I have run the math, and they've put it at about a five to one maximum cap. It can't really get any further than that just because you have that many does, those does are going to have babies, half of those babies are going to be bucks. So even if every single buck is killed at the end of the year, you still can't get much further out of balance than five to one. So that is, that's almost the maximum cap of what it can be. Um, so then, you know, a lot of people say, though, I see 10 or 15 or 20 does for every buck. That could be accurate. That doesn't mean, though, that's a reflection of how many deer are alive in your area. That's just what you see. And does tend to be less affected by hunting pressure they tend to take more risks they tend to be more tolerable of a human presence than bucks are so 
you're usually going to see more does than bucks because the bucks are more wary. The bucks, especially the older bucks, are more easily and likely to get spooked. So that's just sort of, you know, par for the course, the way things go. However, what you need to keep in mind is hunting tactics are going to play a big role in what deer and how many deer of what kind that you see. A lot of people, they just walk into the woods and lean against a tree or perch on a hillside or whatever the case may be and look and watch and see what happens. And they go out there whatever time of day is most convenient for them and they've, they've done little to no scouting. They've got little to no recon in that area and it's just, you know, come what may and they see all does and no bucks. Well, that's not surprising because buck habits are different than doe habits. Buck habitat is different from doe habitat. And what these deer are doing at hunt, during the hunting season are different. Bucks in the summertime tend to be you know, less cautious, less wary than does. Or excuse me, not than does, but than they would be during the hunting season. Once you get to the hunting season, they've got hard bone antlers. They're going to dig usually into the thickest cover they can find places that nobody else wants to go. They're going to move more along the fringes of the day, except for during the peak rut when they're chasing does. However, what happens when you end up with too many does and very few bucks, at least mature bucks that are breeding, is the rut doesn't seem as pronounced. It's, it's a much less pronounced time of the year because you have way more does than bucks and bucks don't need to fight over those does because every buck that wants a doe could have one at certain times and could have two or three at the same time if they were able, you know, once they start coming into, into estrus and mass. So the more far out of balance the sex ratios are in your area, then the less rut behavior you're going to tend to see the less chasing, the less deer running around, scouting, fighting, competing, all those things which make hunting really exciting and a really cool nature experience and get deer stirred up and moving around and taking risks they might not take otherwise, a lot of that is not going to happen if the ratios are too far out of balance and there's just so many available does that, you know, bucks don't even have to worry about it. You're going to have a little bit of movement on the buck side in the pre-rut before the does have come into estrus. Bucks are going to be looking for those first does. They're going to be ready to go. They're on the move. They're covering ground. The first couple does that come in, you'll have a little bit of competition and, and some running behavior. And then once you re reach the peak rut, that all stops because there's more does in, in heat than there are bucks to do anything about it. So they don't need to compete or fight with each other or cover a lot of ground looking for does. They're everywhere and easy to find. So, you know, you can be in an area that actually may have not terrible ratios. Maybe it's three to one. Um, but because of the habitat, because of the, the way you're hunting, where you're hunting, you just may not see those deer. Uh, you really need to look for what is good buck habitat, where buck's going to be, where are they hiding. I've done lots of episodes on that in the past. You can check those out. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Go to the categories, hit deer hunting. And I've got, I don't know, man, it must be like 100 episodes at this point. 
just outlined by different uh, type and section and everything is well organized so you can find whatever you might be interested in. And so I'm not going to go in depth on that on this episode because we're talking now more about herd management. So what do you do if you find yourself in a place where you just have too many does? There's just too many of them out there. You don't have enough bucks. Well, this is not as big of a public land situation because on public land, it's hard to hunt anything in many places. So whatever you can find, oftentimes people shoot. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way that it can go in high competition states. But the thing about public land is deer tend to move more and further. They have larger ranges because they don't have uh, the safety and security and often um, more readily available food sources in a dense area that they may have on private land or near farmland or ag land or things like that. So if you're in big hardwoods and open forest, you know there, there's really no deer management that you're going to be able to, to do anything about. You're just sort of at the mercy of, of the trends in that area, and you got to rely on the game commission and season and bag limits, antler restrictions, and those sort of things to help balance the equation a little bit. Uh, but there are lots of deer scientists involved in those kind of efforts, so... You know, to things today are way, way better than they were 20 or 30 years ago. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, Grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. The ability to take a good buck in most states is much higher than it was a couple decades ago. We're really hunting today in a really good time to be in the woods. Now, that said, there's also less hunters today, I, I believe, than there were 20 or 30 years ago in most places. Um, but the big thing is that management practices statewide and, and by county and management units have done a lot to improve the different rates and ratios and strategies. And best thing you can do is, is learn where those deer are going to be, how to scout, how to find them, how to hunt them. And don't just be haphazard and expect to, to get exactly what you want. you got to really dig in and use strategy and, and hunt public land smart. Not that you have to do any less on private land, but on private land, you have the opportunity to do things that can impact the deer herd. Now, some people talk about, okay, how much land do you need to have to be able to impact the deer herd? You don't need a whole lot of land. 
You do not need very much land at all. You can make a difference on very few number of acres. And depending on where you are, that number differs. But you know, if you've got 10 acres, you can affect the deer herd in your area. There's things that can be done to do that. One of the biggest ones is creating cover and food in places that bucks can hide during the day especially during the, the hunting times and peak hunting hours and days, you're able to protect bucks, help advance them to the next age class, keep them from getting shot during the hunting season. If you're able to provide a haven for them, a place that draws them and keeps them and where other hunters can't shoot them. So with a very small number of acres, you can make a difference. The more land that you have, the more you're able to do to that land, the more impact you can have. But that's another episode, that's another topic. We're talking today specifically about removing does from the equation. But these things do go hand in hand. Helping bucks, giving bucks the kind of habitat that they like, and, and I've got other episodes more about that. You know, helping them get good habitat, have good places to hide, places that they can that they can go, that they can be safe from hunting pressures and haphazard hunting and just habitat places they like to live so that they're living on or near your property where you're hunting versus somewhere else. And even if you only have five acres, you can still do things to draw bucks to your area, especially if other folks around you aren't doing anything. So, you know, if you're just surrounded by random property and nobody's doing anything and, and no one's practicing any principles of anything, you can do a very small amount to move the needle. You can create some bedding areas, some heavy cover areas for zero dollars, just chainsaw and axe, a little bit of time, and then you can put in even the simplest of food items like clover and spend dollars and tens of dollars and not hundreds or thousands, but tens of dollars. And you can put in, you know, attractions and things that will draw deer to that area. Now, if you're surrounded by, you know, agricultural fields and food and things like that, you're going to take different strategies, right? It's going to be a little more difficult to move the needle. Of course, can be done, but that's not the focus today. Today, we're looking at the other side of the equation, which is the you know, how many deer should we actually take? And a lot of people feel like, okay, well, if if they want one-to-one ratios, which is idealistic and not very realistic, they need to shoot a lot of does. So they need to need to take huge numbers of does. Well, you need to think a little bigger than that, okay? How many deer are in the area? What is the overall size and health of the herd? Because every doe that you take is one less deer production unit, right? That's that's one less animal that can give birth to more deer, to more bucks. So if you're in an area where the deer numbers are not that healthy, as in there's just not many deer around, period, and very few of those deer are bucks, you're not going to get more bucks by killing does. You're just going to get less total deer. Um... You know, you may want to shoot a doe because you're hunting and and that's what you want to shoot and that's absolutely fine. But we're talking about shooting does for the sake of reducing doe numbers 
as opposed to hunting does for sport. Those are two different things. So if you want to hunt does for sport, you want, you want to take them home as trophies, you want to put them in the freezer, perfect, great, grand, wonderful. That's a different conversation than what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about harvesting does for the sake of reducing the number of does that's out there to try to help your hunt. So if you're in an area where the total deer numbers are not very high, shooting extra does, trying to manage the population is not a good idea. If you need more deer numbers, you need more does. Now, there are though cases, legitimate situations where, you know, people they've got private land, maybe big chunks of it or between a few folks, they've got significant acreage and they have tons of deer on that land, tons of deer and very few bucks. So you're in a situation where you, you've reached the saturation point of herd numbers. You don't need more deer. You need a different balance of deer. And of course, we're at this point, we're, we're talking about a much smaller percentage of people than in all the other categories and things that we've covered thus far. But you're in that kind of situation. Now, the first thing people think about is, okay, well, let's just start shooting does and reduce the doe counts. That is not the first thing you ought to be doing if you are in that kind of situation. Um, you know, that is a common misconception, a wrong first step. What you need to ask the question first is, why are there so many does here? Why are there so many more does than bucks? Is it that so many bucks are being shot every year? You know, is that what the problem is? You've got all this private land and there's hundreds of deer on it and every year you're shooting hundreds of bucks? Is that really what's going on? Unlikely. Sometimes in some cases, maybe, you know, you just have too many people hunting the land and just too many bucks are being shot. But more often than that, the issue is that particular piece of land has better doe habitat, so it attracts does. You go and you shoot 40% of those does. Well, that many more are going to come from other places and fill in the gap because the habitat in and of itself attracts does. And what is good doe habitat? What attracts does? Well, summer food is one of the big things. Good summer forage, good summer cover, good fawning grounds. That's one of the big things that's going to attract does. You know, if, if it's a good place and there's lots of food and there's lots of cover, lots of, lots of grasses and high stem count and places that fawns can be hid and the does can eat to the full and they take care of their fawns, that place is going to fill up with does. Um, and, and the old adage is, which is, which is relatively accurate rule of thumb, is that does that are here today are here to stay. So you attract all these does in the summertime. And then what happens is with deer, once a doe gives birth to fawns, you know, the first year they're fawns, whether they're doe fawns or buck fawns, the next year, once those deer are one and a half, the bucks start to get kicked out of the herd. So you've got doe family units, but they start kicking the bucks out of that herd, you know, after, after their first winter. So what then happens is you have an area dominated by does. Sure, they keep having all these buck fawns, but then the next year they're kicking them out of the herd and the does are filling and saturating those areas and they're pushing those bucks out. The number one thing that pushes bucks out of areas is doe social pressure. 
So, uh, you know, part of it has to do with, you know, I believe that the innate sense that God has endowed these creatures with, that does know they don't want their buck children in that area with all their doe children breeding them. They, they, they want to disperse those genes and have other bucks coming in to breed, right? You, you don't want a, a doe does not want its children uh, to be interbreeding. We just know gene-wise that that's not, you know, positive long-term kind of thing. You want dispersal. Now, the deer don't know that, right? But I believe that, you know, God has endowed them with the sense to do that for that reason and to promote long-term herd health. But if you have an area that's dominated by does because it's perfect doe habitat, those does are going to take over. Uh, And often what happens is people plant big food plots, spend a lot of money. They're planting anything from, you know, soybeans to... Who knows what it is? Wheat, brassicas, corn, and they've got a lot of summer forage, right? They're trying to help the doe, they're trying to help the deer herd. They're trying to provide lots of food for the deer in the summer to grow bigger antlers. And what that's doing is not so much that, because in the summer, food's plentiful. Deer can eat way more than they could ever want. There could be five times more food available than all the deer that could fit on a property could ever hope to eat without you planting anything in the summer. The summer's a time of abundance. Deer don't need food from you in the summer. It's not going to help them. Uh, any, any potential help that it might do to pack on an extra inch or two of antler growth is going to be completely blown up by the fact that it's creating areas where does take over and, and skew the sex ratios on that property. So better, if you want to plant food plots, and I'm not saying you have to, but if you want to plant food, you want it to be food that's available during the hunting season, food that's available during the fall. You want to do late plantings. You want things that are going to stay green into December. You know, clover can be good for that. Um, winter wheat or winter wheat, brassicas, lots of different things you could plant in the fall and the end of summer as opposed to in the spring that are then going to produce fall forage and hunting season forage, which is going to draw the deer there. So when you're doing that, you're going to draw bucks and does into that area and they're not fawning. You know, the does aren't taking over. They're not making that their their year-round mainstay, and you create a situation where you have a more balanced herd. So usually, more often than not, the answer to having way too many does versus bucks is to change the strategy of your property, change the way you're doing food and cover, and, and adjust the attractiveness of that property from being does in the summer, which then stay year-round, to being good cover and forage in the fall when you can attract bucks and keep them there and protect them from other hunters and and from going elsewhere and being shot and killed during the day. So that that is usually the better approach for that kind of a thing. Now, there are still times though where you could end up with with a good land management strategy with fall food with doing all these things right, and you still have too many does. 
Or it's not a matter of you're attracting too many does. It's just you're shooting so many bucks that, you know, there has to be a balance on the other side of the equation. So that is usually when you want to think about taking extra does. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. The only shooting stick with one-handed trigger pull adjustments has a new way to keep you at the top of your game. The Trigger Stick Apex. Built for sturdy support that adapts to unforgiving terrain with easy adjustments to make your big shots. With our Durasteady three-piece carbon leg design, an interchangeable rock-solid clamp. Nothing tops the Apex. The Trigger Stick Apex, only from Primrose. All right. Um, it is when the equation's being thrown off balance because of the bucks that you shoot. You're shooting too many bucks, and you're leaving behind too many does, and you then, not the property, not the cover, not the food, you become the one that is upsetting the balance. Okay? So in those kind of situations, you know, if you've got a big property and you take a handful of bucks every year, well, you may also want to take a handful of does. You know, if you're taking a lot of bucks, you've got a really big property or you've got a lot of friends that you invite to come hunt, whatever the case might be, you're taking all these bucks well, you, you need to do something to then manage the number of does if you want to try to keep those ratios closer to balance. And, you know, I think an ideal target ratio is probably two to one does to bucks. One to one, I think, is just impossible. And you're, gonna, you're just going to do too many things wrong trying to hit that ratio. And there's too many, too many variables and factors that are unpredictable that you literally have to become a deer scientist to try to figure out. And, and go through all that. And if you're listening to this, you were probably not on the deer scientist route. You're, you're trying to figure out the basics of what do you do and, and how do you avoid making big mistakes. So, you know, think about it in terms of if you have a good herd on your property, the food's right, the cover's right, the, the numbers are relatively good, or they're just, they're starting to skew out of balance. Okay, for every buck that you take, maybe you should think about taking a doe. Um, you know, something is that simple as that might be reasonable. You shoot three bucks on the property this year, maybe you should also take three does, assuming you've got plenty of deer, plenty of does, plenty of everything, and more does than bucks. You know, you don't need to usually go out and shoot 100 does. And, you know... Um, the Game Commission will often give special tags to landowners to be able to harvest more does than a regular, you know, hunting license and, and tags that you can buy will. And so what'll happen is landowners will get, you know, then maybe they'll give them 20 tags based on their acreage and where they live in the country for doe management. And go, well, they gave me 20 tags, so they're gonna go harvest 20 does. Well, that's usually wrong, okay? People say, well, the Game Commission, they gave me all these tags and then I used them and now I don't have any more deer left. Well, it's because you were dumb. You know, the Game Commission, just because they give you a limit doesn't mean you should just exercise that limit. 
they don't know what the deer population or habitat or ratios are in your property. They're just handing out tags based on acreage. You might have three deer that live on 500 acres and they give you 20 tags. Well, should you go out and try to take 20 deer? You're just going to eradicate what little population you have. Now, you should probably take no deer for a while and see what you can do to draw more deer and, and make it more habitable for deer. And it could be years and years before you reach a point where you should even shoot a doe because you're trying to build herd numbers. So, you know, th there's a lot of nuance here. But what you want to think about is this. Okay, how many deer are on this property? You'll never know exactly. Even if you have a lot of trail cams, you'll never know exactly. You'll never be able to identify the does exactly. But you can get a sense. Okay, are there a lot of deer? Is there a lot of deer on this property? Are we seeing a lot of deer in the fields? Are we seeing a lot of deer at night? A lot of deer on trail cameras? You know, does it seem like this property is up to its deer capacity? All right, if it is, okay, now what's the balance between bucks and does? If it's two to one or three to one, does to bucks, that may be just fine. That may be perfectly healthy for your area and your part of the country. You may need to do nothing. Um, but if, if, if you have way too many does, it seems, okay, let's think about this. Why are these does here? What are we doing on the property? What's attracting them? When are they here? Are, it, are they coming for a great summer habitat and then staying all year and pushing everything else out? Maybe we need to make some adjustments there. And if it is that, okay, that, that piece of the equation is fine. And it comes down to, okay, we got plenty of deer. We got more does than bucks, but we're only shooting bucks and no does. Then maybe you should start to balance your, your, your take in between the two. And in some cases, you may need to take more buck or more does. I do want to stop here, though, and mention, you know, what are people doing when they go out with all these land management tags and they shoot 10 does in a day? What are they doing with those deer? And when when are you doing that? So we're gonna, let me just address those two things real quick. So what you should be doing with them is, one, eating them, putting them in the freezer, or giving them to someone else to eat. If you don't have anybody that wants them, you should uh, invest in a program like uh, Farmers and Hunters Sharing the Harvest or whatever programs you have uh, local to where you live so that you then take those deer, take them to the processor, and they get donated to, to help feed people that are hungry. They get donated to food banks. They get donated to feed the poor. That's what you need to be doing. If you just shoot deer and leave them in the woods to rot, you're doing a terrible disservice both to the animals, both to your community, and, and, and as well as to your property, because you do not want these rotting carcasses on your land now drawing in predators, which is now going to cause other issues for you. So, you know, do not let deer go to waste. If you are managing, if you do need to shoot more animals than you can put in your own freezer, do not let them go to waste. Figure out beforehand, okay, we need to shoot five does this year you just decided you, you've done your counts and your math that's what you want to do that's what seems right for you you know okay what are you going to do with them well before you ever walk into the woods you need to have that question answered where are these deer going to go who are they going to help you know to just kill deer in order to try to have more bucks next year is just irresponsible absolutely irresponsible not something you should be doing 
The other side is when should you be shooting these extra does? What's the best time to be doing that? The peak of the hunting season is the worst time to be doing that. Opening day of rifle season is the worst time to be doing that. Reason being, if you go out on your property and you shoot all these deer in the middle of hunting season, what's going to happen? You're going to push all the deer off your property, particularly the bucks. They're going to go on other people's property. They're going to get shot. And now you have actually, you're in a worse situation than you were beforehand because you had some bucks and now those bucks are pushed off by just you not thinking. And now they've been shot by other people. So now you got no bucks on your property. And yeah, you took some does and now your ratios are still worse than they were to begin with. So there's two good times for taking does. The earliest of the early season and then towards the end of the late season when hunter numbers and and the 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 pressure is going to have the least effect on your land when you get into the peak season now if you live in a a place that has you know super heavy archery pressure you know you probably shouldn't go out the first week and try to clear a bunch of does you should wait until that first wave of hunters is is passed and then you can go out and take some does if you're in an area that doesn't have a whole lot of, of archery pressure, then it you know, probably doesn't matter. But the peak of gun season, opening day of gun season, is the worst time to try to do this. Because I, you know, a good chunk of the deer being shot are being shot because they've been pushed by hunters that are just crawling the woods. Especially in my home state, Pennsylvania, you go out on opening day of rifle season and you encounter the Orange Army. I mean, it is just like someone has paid all these thousands of people to all be out in the woods at the same time, walking around, basically sitting down within 30 yards of each other, you know, trying to somehow find a deer. It it can be ridiculous at times and depending on where you are. So you want to, the goal is if you're going to practice taking extra deer for land management and herd management, you want to do so when the least number of other hunters are in the woods. Because then you're going to not push deer off your property into the guns and, and arrows of other people. So these are things you want to think about, things you want to consider. Um, and a lot of properties, if you do everything right, okay, if, if you master this, you're going to have bucks on your property in the fall and during the hunting season. You're going to draw them in with food and habitat and cover that's perfect for that time of the year for them. They're not necessarily going to be on your property with any frequency in the summertime. So then you could go out opening day of archery and drop as many deer as you want to drop. And it's not going to push bucks off your property because they weren't even there that time of the year. They haven't even gone through the shift yet. And and they're not coming until you get that first big wave of cold you get those first couple heavy frosts the habitat begins to change uh, the hormones begin to change and now deer take on their fall patterns and they shift their habitat and you want to be the place they shift to not where they shift from if you can help it so uh, but on the other hand if you have a property where you hunt that has a lot of summer buck activity and then they disappear in the hunting season Well, the best time for you to hunt bucks is the earliest of the early season. 
before the shift happens. You don't want to shoot a doe for anything at that point of the year. You want to hunt those bucks before they leave your property and go on to their fall range. And then hopefully next year you can make some property adjustments to try to draw them in, you know, during more of the hunting season. So I hope this is helpful for you guys. I know this is a lot of information. This is, uh, this is not really super beginner information, but I think, it's, I think it's definitely helpful for people to be aware of some of these basics because it will change the way you look at hunting throughout your hunting career. It'll change the way you understand you know, deer habitat and numbers and locations and things like that. So head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes. Send me an email. I want to hear from you guys. I'd love to hear your questions, ideas for new shows. This show came from a, a listener question. Um, I mean, specifically, I would have probably never even thought to do this episode if someone hadn't asked the question. So love to hear more questions. Love to hear ideas from you guys. Love to hear your stories about deer that you've taken. And make sure you head to Apple uh, Podcasts on iTunes. Leave a review for this show. And for the five-star review with comments, the number one way to help the podcast grow and reach more people. Till next time, God bless you guys, and go get them in the woods. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Watch Waypoint TV's Great Outdoors Month celebration presented by Battery Tender every Tuesday in June from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Join us for land management tips, family hunts, and conservation-centric films as we show our appreciation for the great outdoors.